you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. I hope you got everything that you wanted for Christmas. I hope you got the right size. I hope you got the right color. I hope that it was an awesome Christmas for you. But my guess is, because of the coronavirus, because of travel, because of the white Christmas that a whole bunch of people had with a lot of snow, maybe the one thing that you really wanted for Christmas, you didn't get. Maybe you had a daughter or a son that was away halfway across the country at college, and more than anything else, what you really wanted was for them to show up and spend a little bit of time with you. Didn't matter what kind of gifts that we exchanged, just being able to spend time with them would have been the perfect gift. And maybe for somebody in this room, you got the perfect gift this year. Maybe they left college and they braved the weather and they traveled with all of those crazy coronavirus restrictions and maybe they came to your house and maybe you had a chance to hang out with friends and family this Christmas. That is the kind of gift that no one exchanges. Am I right? Well, what we're going to do is this is the week right after Christmas, and we're going to wrap up our Christmas series. If you think our timing was off, it wasn't. We saved the best for last because today we're going to talk about the greatest gift anyone will ever receive. In fact, for the month of December, we've been talking about the gift of God. God gives himself, literally, Christmas is about God giving himself a baby born in a manger when God took on flesh. We call him Emmanuel. His name is Jesus, and that word Emmanuel means God with us. The name Jesus literally means he saves his people. And when God gives the gift of himself, he wraps it with other gifts, What we've done over the month of December is we've taken a look at some of those other gifts, like the gift of faith and the gift of hope and the gift of peace. And if you were tuned into our Christmas Eve service, you saw that that baby was that little bundle of joy was wrapped up in swaddling clothes, but really he gave the gift of joy to those shepherds hanging out in the mangers, joy to people on earth in whom God's favor dwells. There was a medieval theologian who talked about gifts and the greatest gift of all times. This medieval priest, theologian, his name is Thomas Akempis. He wrote one of the most important Christian books of all times, a book called The Imitations of Christ. And Thomas Akempis made this statement. He said it this way. He said, a wise lover, listen to this, values not so much the gift of the lover, Look at this on the screens. As much as the love of the giver. And today what we want to do is talk about God, the gift giver, the perfect gift giver, giving the perfect gift, the gift of love. And here's what I want you to understand from the sermon. I'll just give it to you right up front. This is the thing that I want you to go away remembering No one exchanges the gift of love. You may take back that crazy uh, Christmas sweater. You may decide that you just don't want to use that 
that small appliance that your husband gave you because he didn't have any idea what else to get you, but no one exchanges the gift of love. So in this Advent season, to wrap up this Advent season, we are looking through the book of Romans. We're in chapter 5, and we're going to look at Romans chapter 5, verse 5. We're going to do a deep dive into one verse. But in order to set up this verse, let's start back at the beginning of Romans chapter 5. Let's go back to verse 1, and let's look at these other gifts that the perfect gift giver, God himself, when he gave himself as a gift to humanity, let's see the other gifts that he gave along with it. And here's what Romans says, starting in chapter 5, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Gift number one, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith. Gift number two, into the grace in which we stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Gift number three, hope. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions. We looked at this last week because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces the gift of hope. Here it is, verse 5, the gift of love. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. What we're going to do for just a few moments today is we're going to roll up our sleeves and we're going to go real deep into this one Bible verse, Romans 5, verse 5. We're going to look at the phrase, God's love. We're going to look at the phrase, our hearts, and we're going to see how it is the Holy Spirit that connects God's love to our hearts today. So here we go. Let's start with the first part of this verse. Let's talk about what it looks like to be loved by God. Because what Romans chapter 5 is trying to explain to us in the midst of all of this craziness is that God has given the perfect gift. He is the perfect gift giver, and he gives the perfect gift, and his perfect gift is the gift of love. Now, I want to make sure that we know what we're talking about today because when we talk about God's love, we're talking about divine love. We're talking about pure love. We're talking about perfect love. And can we just be honest, y'all? God's love is different than the way that we love. God's love is unconditional. Now, if you're at home and stuff is going crazy, I need you to tune in for just a second and pay close attention to what I say next. God is the only self-sufficient one. He needs no one. He needs nothing. Therefore, no one, nothing can put a condition on God and make God react, make God do something that he doesn't want to do. You following me? That means that when God loves it's not because you and I did something good. It's not because you and I did something right. God loves unconditionally. There's no condition that he places on the way that he loves. There's nothing that you and I can do to help him love us more, to make us love us less. I need you to make sure that you understand this. Because when it comes to love, when it comes to the love of God, I watch Christians 
And sometimes it really seems like you're trying to earn God's love. We sometimes try to earn God's love, if we can just be honest for a second, by doing good things. Sometimes we try to earn God's love by being a good boy or a good girl and thinking, because I'm doing good or because I'm being good, God is going to love me. Let me give you a quick illustration. You guys get Christmas cards in the mail? And you like getting Christmas cards? I kind of like getting the Christmas card. I mean, I got no problems with the Christmas card. The little note inside the Christmas card is awesome. But here's where it goes wrong for me. This is the dreaded, the hated Christian letter. It's the Christmas letter that sounds something like this. Hey, everybody, 2020 has been a crazy year, but let me tell you how awesome I am. Let me tell you how awesome my family is. Let me tell you how awesome my marriage is. Let me tell you how awesome my life is. That's what the entire Christmas letter is. I get like two sentences into this, and then I'm done. You know, like I'm just not going to read it anymore. Because I want so much for somebody to write the Christmas letter that says, 2020 was brutal, and my husband lost his job, and we lost our mortgage, and the uh, mortgage company kicked us out, and my life started to fall apart, and my son just got arrested, and my daughter is hooked on prescription drugs, and I think I'm going to have to turn to stripping in order to make enough money to be able to buy some food for my family. That's 2020 for me. How's it going for your family? Unfortunately, that's not the kind of honest truth that people put in the Christmas letter. And I think what people are trying to do when they send the Christmas letter out is they want you, they want all of us to think about their life as everything is going right. I'm doing good. Everybody's doing good. There's nothing bad except for all of us in this room. No, that's just not the whole story. That may be part of the story, but that's not the whole story. See, I think that Christmas letter can sometimes be a good analogy for the way that Christians approach God. The way that Christians act, let's just be honest, at church. We put the face on and we act like everything is awesome when in reality it's not. It's terrible, but we would never let our guard down and let people know, man, I'm struggling right now. I think sometimes Christians, to be frank, are trying to earn God's love by doing good things. But God's love is unconditional. So doing good doesn't make him love you more. And let's just be honest, y'all. Sometimes we try to earn God's love by being good. In fact, some of our Christmas traditions, we don't have any idea where they came from. We're just trying to be good boys and good girls and do the good thing that we think God expects of us around Christmas time. And we hope by doing good, or by being good, that God will be pleased with us. The problem is God's love doesn't work that way. And I just want to tell you today that you are approaching God's divine, unconditional love from the wrong starting point. This, I do good so God loves me, or I am good and so God loves me, you've got the wrong starting point. I, you, are not the proper starting point for God's love. The proper starting point is for whatever reason, God decides to look down from heaven 
and see a guy like me with all of my mistakes and all of my messes and all of my failures and chooses unconditionally to love me anyway. That's God's love. And it's a lot different than our love. And that's the kind of gift that nobody in their right mind would ever go take back and exchange it for something different. Because you just can't improve on that gift. What Romans chapter 5, verse 5 talks about is God's love. And then the next phrase that it says is about our hearts. And here's what Romans is trying to tell us. God's love teaches us how to love. We really were created in the image of God. We were created with God's character and his nature and his attributes. But because of sin, our hearts have become broken. And our hearts really don't know how to love. Follow me for just a second. Until God shows us how to love. Until he, through his Holy Spirit, literally the words of Romans 5, 5, helps us to figure out how to love. If you want another Bible example of this, I'm not going to put it on the screens, but I'll, I'll tell you the way John, the beloved disciple, the one who learned how to love by watching Jesus, listen to what John says about how we learn how to love, how God's love teaches us how to love. He says it this way in, in 1 John 4, starting in verse 10. He says, love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's the proof that God loves us. Listen to verse 11. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love has made us complete. We are complete in him. This is, uh, this is how we know that we remain in him and that he is in us. Listen to what it says in verse 13. He has given us his Holy Spirit. God's heart starts to become our heart. Our heart starts to beat like God's heart does. And we start to learn how to love, start to develop a capacity to love unconditionally, because, Romans 5, 5, 1 John 4, because of the Holy Spirit. It is only through the Holy Spirit that a human being can possibly start to love like God loves. And if you're sitting there thinking to yourself, love whom, Jeff? Well, the answer is first and always first, love God. You really don't have a natural inclination to turn to God, to love God, to serve God until you start to realize by, by the power of the Holy Spirit who he is and what he's done for you. Why would God, with no obligations on him whatsoever, choose to send his son from heaven to dwell on earth and to live as a mortal man and to pay a tremendous price to give his life for our sins. John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4 says the only explanation for that is that God loves you. And you can now start to love God in return because he has first loved you. That's the first and that's always the most important love that you have in your heart. Number two is your love for others. 
You see, love for others really comes from a capacity to Jesus' first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all of your heart. And then the second commandment Jesus says is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. At Two Cities Church, we exist. This is our mission on earth, to love people, to love people well, to love people like God loves people. Let me tell you how we love each other. We stopped doing what we claim is one of the most important things that we do as a church. We paused our life groups over the Christmas season, not to take a break because we didn't enjoy hanging around each other. We paused our life groups because there are some people that are getting connected with our church and we would love for them to get involved in one of our life groups, but it can be kind of scary to get involved with the group that's been going on for months or for years and everybody knows everybody and they're all really close to one another. It can be really intimidating to break into a group like that. So we paused our groups just for the strategic purpose of being able to invite somebody and to say, hey, my group is on break and we're going to start back in the middle of January. We would love for you to join us. And by the way, it would be super comfortable for you to join us, really natural for you to join us because everybody in our group is on break and we're all going to start back together in January. Why would a church pause the thing that they claim is most important? Because of you. Because of you that's not connected, we paused and took this strategic break just so that you would feel comfortable getting involved with us when we get back to going, uh, when our groups meet together again in January. Let me tell you how we're loving people outside of our church. This is the two cities that Two Cities Church refers to. Special shout out to somebody who asked me to make sure that you know what the name Two Cities stands for. Just in the last 10 days, listen to this, y'all. We're not a large church by any means. We don't have a lot of money and a lot of resources by any means. Listen to the last week and a half. We bought hundreds of gifts for people that are low income, wrapped them up, and gave them away last week. We helped somebody who just got a job but cannot afford the work outfit, the work uniform that they need, we bought that uniform for them and delivered it to them last week. There was somebody who their water was about to get shut off on Christmas Day because it was overdue. So we called the water company and we paid the water bill entirely for them. Somebody didn't have clothes for their eight-year-old and five-year-old daughter, and we showed up on Christmas Eve with clothes. Somebody had a broken appliance, and we showed up and made sure that that appliance got fixed in a week and a half. This is our way of showing up to our neighbors who have never stepped foot in this church and say, man, we love you, and we want to help you. And if you're hurting, we're here for you. Because God loves us, he started to work in our hearts, and now we start to have a soft heart for you who we've never even met before because of what's going on in your life. And though we have very, very limited money and resources around here, the limited money that we do have, the limited resources that we have, we're going to put into loving other people well. And third and finally, it's loving yourself. And I just want to end with this because I think if I were to sit back and look at what's wrong with our culture, with the American culture, what it screams to me louder than anything else 
is people who don't love themselves and are trying everything that the world has to offer to numb the pain, hoping that the pain of not being comfortable with who you are and how God has made you and what's happened in your life, hoping that something would deaden that pain. I could tell you a dozen examples of warriors who have come to see me both as a chaplain or as a pastor. They've sat in my office and they started to spill the story out of what they did on a battlefield, what they saw on a battlefield, what they were asked to do for our country on a battlefield. And almost every one of them, though these words will never come out of their mouth, what they're basically asking is, how could God possibly love somebody like me who's done what I've done? And what they're asking me is, how can I how can I be comfortable looking myself in the mirror after what I've said, after what I've done, after what I've seen? And there are people that are struggling internally and no amount of relationships outside are going to get fixed until the relationship inside gets fixed, until they start to become comfortable with who they are and with what they've done. And with a God who is big enough that he loves them unconditionally anyway. And has already taken care of everything necessary to draw them into a relationship with himself. The only one in the universe that can fix you from the inside out. Nobody else. No drugs. No relationships. No performance. No job. No promotion. No fancy car or nice house can do that for you. No, you need somebody who can fix you at the soul level. Which brings me to the final phrase from Romans chapter 5, verse 5. God's love was poured out in our hearts. And God poured his love out through his Holy Spirit. Do you know that that phrase, poured out? Is the exact same phrase the original language uses to refer to Jesus' blood on the cross. It is literally the same words that those first four books of the New Testament use when they talk about Jesus' love on the cross. What the writer of Romans is saying is, I want you to know how much God loves you. And the only way for you to really understand how much God loves you is you have to go look at the cross. And if you want to measure how much he loves you, you've got to look at the blood that was poured out. It's not how much blood was poured out for you. It's whose blood was poured out for you. That really shows you your worth to a holy God. You see, being loved by God teaches us how to love ourselves. It teaches us how to love others, but more than anything else, being loved by, when you look at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, you learn what it took for God to be, or for you to be made right with God, and now you can be loved by God, and now you love God. And so the way that I want to end this service, the way that we try to end this service every time is maybe you're watching this from home. And maybe you've never really experienced the love of God. Maybe your life has been never really been radically changed by the love of God. I want to pray for you in just a second. I want to pray that today you would accept the love of God as a gift that you can put no conditions on. He just chooses to love you and wants to have a relationship with you. 
What he asks of you in return is that you would simply come to him in faith and that you would make a personal soul level surrender. Basically saying, God, from this point forward, I turn it all over to you. I trust you. I follow you. You are my Lord. You and you alone can save me. And if you'll make that kind of sincere soul level surrender, I believe God will do a miracle in your heart and you will experience the love of God for the first time. I also want to pray for some people that may be struggling accepting the love of God. It's the bottom thing on the screens that you see in front of you. And maybe you're asking, God, why would you love somebody who's as much of a mess and made the kind of mistakes that I've made? And maybe this week, all you need to do is just simply say, God, it doesn't make any sense. I don't even understand it, but I accept it. I believe that you love me unconditionally. Maybe number two on the screen is you. Maybe this is where you're at right now. Maybe you just need to humbly receive God's love and stop trying to earn it and just enjoy it this week. Let me pray for you right now. God, you have given the ultimate Christmas gift. You gave us the gift of yourself. And God, because you loved us, you sent your son Jesus. The book of 1 John tells us that you loved us and sent your son Jesus as an atoning sacrifice for us. This is your demonstration, your proof of your love for us. And Father, maybe somebody's watching this stream from their house. Maybe they're in a hotel room and they're traveling right now. And they stumbled across this online. And maybe they've just never really experienced your love. I long for more than anything else today that people would be overwhelmed by your love right now. That somebody in a hotel room or in their living room would simply fall on their knees and cry out a prayer of faith. It doesn't really matter what they say. There's no magic in the words. But just from a sincere heart, they would say, God, I believe you're a good, good father, that you love me, that you sent your son Jesus to rescue me, that I was drowning in an ocean of sin and I couldn't make my way to the shore. So you sent your son Jesus after me to go get me and to save me and to clean me up. And he wants to make me into a new man because I've made a big mess of things. He wants to turn me into a new woman. And Father, right here, Right now, I surrender my sin. I surrender my soul. I surrender myself to you, God. From this point forward, I am your follower, and you are my Lord. And God, I pray that you would hear from heaven, that you would honor that prayer, and you would do a miracle, a Christmas miracle in somebody's soul right now. But God, maybe Christians are watching this, and they have heard that I have been the kind of person that's been trying to earn God's love. I've been trying to do good things. I've been trying to be a good person, hoping that God would love me more. But today I realize it doesn't work that way. And so, God, I'm saying to you, I'm sorry. And, God, I humbly accept your love. It doesn't make sense to me. But I believe that you love me and that you want me to enjoy my relationship with you. And so that's exactly what I'm going to do this week. God, would you hear this prayer from heaven? God, would you be glorified by your people coming to you and just accepting your love 
and enjoying it this week as we wrap up this Advent season. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, our King, that we pray this. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.